this was my, my first Easter sermon, and I was just thinking about what to say, and I thought, you know, I, I might be doing this for the next 35 or 40 years, so I better start off on a good foot and leave myself a lot of room to grow from this sermon, you know, because we, we come back and we, we tell this story every single year, and you've, you've probably heard it, and you've, you've probably heard a ton of Easter sermons, and so um, I, I hope that we can illuminate something from the text, because I really believe that Every time I come back to these, I always find something new. I always find some new piece. And this week, Mary was, was really sort of on my heart. And, and, and I'm thinking about Mary outside the tomb, right? So they, they've just crucified Jesus, and they've, they've laid him away, and they've buried him. And a couple days has passed, and she goes to visit the tomb, which is something that you did if you, if you really love someone, right? If you, if you want to honor them, if you want to remember them, or if you just want to weep. Some of us do this, right? We go to visit the graves of loved ones, right? How many, how many people will go visit the grave of a loved one after they've passed, right? And we, sometimes we bring them flowers, Sometimes we bring wreaths. Sometimes we bring notes. Sometimes we go just to sit and to weep. And we remember them. And we remember stories. And we remember the sound of their voice. We remember what their laugh sounded like. We remember maybe the way they smelled. And maybe that's good or bad. I don't know. But do we remember things about the people that we love? And we go back to the grave to honor them. And this is exactly what Mary Magdalene is doing. And Mary Magdalene has a pretty deep connection with Jesus because Mary Magdalene was a woman that was filled with spirits, uh, de- demonic spirits, and she was really an outcast from society. She shouldn't have been in the company of Jesus. She wouldn't have been in the company of any other teacher at the time because she wasn't clean enough. She wasn't righteous enough. She didn't have an- enough goodness in her according to the authorities and the spiritual authorities. People like me wouldn't have led her around, right? They wouldn't have led her in the church because she's not good enough. But Jesus accepted her. Jesus said, come, follow me. Jesus let her wash his feet with priceless oil and perfumes. And Jesus was so intentional about loving her. And so you can imagine, right, how Mary's feeling there at the tomb weeping. And she's come to honor him and, and to, to remember the man that brought her into a community, to remember the man that loved her, to remember the person that led her and, and let her access a kind of spirituality and let her access God in a way that no one else in society would have. No one would have let her come along. No one would have let her listen. No one would have forgiven her for being possessed by whatever spirits she had been possessed by. And it's no wonder she's weeping outside the tomb. It's no wonder that she is having trouble. And it's no wonder she's kind of upset that she looks in and she doesn't know where the body is. This is someone that she loved and now someone's moved the body, which is kind of desecrating their life and their memory. It'd be like someone defacing the tomb and uh, what they call it, exhuming the body, pulling it out and throwing it away. And now she's saying, oh my goodness, this person that I loved, he's gone. What have they done with the body? Why would they move it? Why would they do this? Wasn't it enough that they crucified him? Wasn't it enough that they humiliated him and now they're going to desecrate his tomb and move his body so that we can't even come and honor him where he's at? 
She's got to really, really be feeling upset and lost, feeling like the world is falling apart, feeling like nothing's right, feeling like society is probably going to collapse soon, feeling the dread of everything good that she thought was going on in the world, just leaving, exiting the room. A lot of us have probably felt that way. A lot of us have probably been in a place in our life where we maybe miss someone that we love. Maybe we've lost someone that we were really close to, someone that that gave us a lot of guidance and leadership. I, I can remember when my grandpa Charlie died. I think I was only five or six years old, but my grandpa Charlie at the time was my best friend, you know, and I, I know my mom uh, took me to the, the viewing, and I didn't understand why he wasn't waking up. I didn't understand why he wouldn't get up out of the casket. I didn't understand why he wouldn't respond to me, and I was upset, and I, uh, my mom tells me, I don't necessarily remember this, but I hid under the casket, and I wouldn't come out. You know, I, I just kind of like curled up in a ball like this, and I, I just hid, and I, I didn't want to move because I wanted to see, whoa, <laughs> I gotta, I'm not as mobile in this as I'd like to be. I gotta, I gotta get a shorter skirt here. Um, I didn't want to move because I wanted to see my grandfather and I, I didn't understand death and I didn't understand what was going on and I, I didn't know what I would do on weekends then because my grandfather would take me to get coffee every weekend and I, you know, I didn't have coffee. I got chocolate milk and pretended it was coffee. and I, you know, I, I didn't have that person in my life anymore and I felt lost. And we've all been there. We've all sort of felt this desire maybe to have something more and, and maybe that's come from a person but maybe it's not come from a person maybe it's just we're going through a hard time in life maybe it's we're, we're in a place where we're wondering what are we doing in this world where are we at why are we continuing to do what we do what makes sense anymore and this is exactly how Mary's feeling. Now, a lot of times what we do with this text and what we do with this story is we say, well, if you believe in Jesus, right? If you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, you'll be okay after you die. We make it about life after death, right? We make it about whatever is going to happen next. Don't worry about right now, right? Don't, Don't worry about anything that's happening now. Just suffer through it. But afterward, you'll be okay. You'll be fine. Don't worry about your current suffering. In the end, God will make everything better. And a lot of people will root that in the text that we read this morning or other resurrection stories. But actually, do you know that that no resurrection story shows Jesus saying, well, if you just believe in me, you'll be raised with a new body like me. Jesus never says that. Jesus never says that, you know, you'll be saved like I've been saved here and you'll come back to life eventually if you just believe in me and do the good things. It's it's not in these resurrection stories. Now, there are echoes of that in other passages, but in these resurrection stories, actually, it's not about the prize at the end. It's not about what happens in life after death. It's not about any of that. Actually, what Jesus says is he asks a question. He says, woman, why are you weeping? I'm right here. 
Go, tell the disciples. And in the other versions, in, in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, Jesus says something similar, like, go, tell the others. Tell them that we're going to meet and we're going to talk. And then Jesus uh, gives the great commission and, and says, go and make disciples of all nations. So Jesus is, is, is not pointing toward belief in himself as a way to fix things after you die. Jesus is actually pushing people out and saying, go, don't weep. Don't stay by the tomb. Life is for living. And life is for the living. It's not to sit around and, and, and weep. It's good to grieve. It's good to mourn. But Jesus is like, why are you weeping? Go. Go. And a lot of us, myself included, often make this text, but then this whole church thing about what happens after we die. And I'm going to tell you, that should be the least of our worries. That should be the least of our worries. I want to tell you a story about my dog, okay? Um, if you don't know, I have a dog named Ron, R-O-N. And Ron is, a, is an eight-month-old mini-Australian shepherd, and he's a, he's a cattle dog, but he doesn't have any cattle to work on. So he's a dog without a job, which means that he's got a lot of free time on his hands. And, and he's often bored, and he's a little neurotic, and he's got a lot of energy. Well, we've, we try to do a lot of work, Sarah and I, in, in training Ron, okay? And, and I'm not a dog trainer, all right? I'm a pastor, and I'm, I'm just learning how to be a pastor at that. So you can imagine how great I am at dog training. Um, but we've tried, you know, and I think we've done okay. And so we've, we've taught Ron a handful of tricks. Ron can sit, he can lay, he can shake, he can high-five, he can, he can roll, he can play dead. He does this trick called yoga where he puts his butt up in the air. I won't do it because I'm tripping on my skirt today, but he does this trick called yoga. Um, he, he can spin in circles. He knows where certain places in the house are. So if we say couch, he can run to the couch. If we say chair, he knows the chair. He knows his bed, his crate. He's got all of these, right? But... Well, when we're training Ron, sometimes, you know, he'll get like a piece of chicken or maybe a piece of steak that's left over. And he gets really, really, really excited, okay? Like, chicken is, is sort of a drug for Ron, okay? Ron, can't, he cannot resist chicken. If he smells it in the house, he's just, he goes nuts. He starts whining. His butt starts shaking, you know. He's like, he's going. He, he's a mess. And, and so we'll, we'll call him to the carpet, and we'll have the chicken. We'll show him. We'll say, Ron, sit. And then suddenly he sits, and then he lays, and then he's on his back, and then he's shaking, and he's barking. And he's all his tricks at one time. And he can't stop. He, he just can't stop doing his tricks. And then you're like, Ron, hold on, hold on, stop. It's okay. And then you say, Ron, sit. And, and Ron can't sit. He just, he goes through every single trick he knows, just like that. Almost to say, look, I can do it. I'm good. Look, look, I can do it. Where's my treat? Where's my treat? Give me the chicken. And so we have to be really, really intentional about calming Ron down, letting him go through all of his tricks. And then as soon as he gets tired and he's ready to listen, we say, okay, Ron, now can you just sit? <laughs> and when he sits, you give him a treat and then we go through it. And, and, and Ron, in those moments, I think, thinks that, you know, Doing the tricks is about the treat, and for Ron, it really is about the treat, right? Like, he's not going to do those tricks without chicken. We've tried. Like, you can't tell the dog to sit. The dog does not listen unless there's a treat available. 
But he thinks that the whole thing is just to give him a trick when actually what Sarah and I are trying to do with the dog is to teach it to be obedient so that when we're out at Spotted Eagle and the dog's off the leash, he doesn't run to every single human he sees, you know, blindly and, and maybe gets taken out by a car. We're trying to protect him. We're trying to teach him to be an obedient puppy, to be good, to be mindful, <laughs> to not get killed when we're out, you know. And I always say that a lot of us are, are like... Ron, but I do want to say that sometimes we focus too much on the thing at the end, right? We focus too much on the, the, the end, the prize, whatever it is. We think that, you know, this, the, this whole process of life might just be about whatever's waiting for us when we die. When actually I think it's more about the process, right? That, that you know, if you're going through a difficult time in life, actually you can... You can learn a lot through that time. And I, I always hate it when people say, you know, you're, if, if you're going through a really tough time, oh, well, God's going to show you this. God's going to teach you this. But the truth is, is that suffering can develop character, right? Suffering can bring about some good things and, and you don't always want to rush to the end of whatever season of life you're going through because I really believe that it's about the process of things, right? It's about how we go through it. It's about what we learn as we're going through it. It's about the development of our character. It's about being obedient to God and listening to what God has for us amidst everything happening in life. I think that Mary Magdalene might have been feeling a little bit of that. I think she might have been hoping there at the tomb that the end had come. She saw the risen Jesus. And she probably was happy about it. She was probably overjoyed. And Jesus doesn't even give any time to celebrate. And Jesus doesn't give any time for hugs or catching up. He says, go, tell the others. Let's gather together. We've got work to do. And then he gathers the disciples together and he gives the great commission and and he breathes the Holy Spirit on them, actually. That's the text for next week, I think. He, he gathers them together and breathes the Holy Spirit on them. And he says, if you want to forgive sins, you can forgive sins. That's in your power. Whatever you want to do on this earth, let it be done. Now you get to continue the work that I began. And so, Jesus isn't concerned about What's going to happen when Mary passes away? Jesus isn't concerned what's going to happen when the disciples go. Jesus is concerned about what are they doing right here and right now? Because there's work to be done. Now, I, I want to promise you something, okay? This is not an Easter sermon to encourage you to... Uh, become more involved in, in whatever church you're at. Because I think that the work of God can be done wherever we are, no matter what we're doing. And while we would always love more people and visitors and, and work to be done in the church, whatever you're doing and wherever you're at, that's where the work of God can be taking place. And I really believe that that's what resurrection is about. It's about the new life that you are creating wherever you're at and whatever you're doing. And it doesn't matter what church it's in. It doesn't matter how often uh, it, it happens in a church. It matters about you, in your heart, in your relationship with God. And it's about the work that you're doing while listening to whatever it is that God is telling you. I can't tell you the work that you need to do. I can't tell you what the Spirit is telling you to do. Only you can listen to that. Only you can do those things. 
So I want to ask you a question this morning. And I think it's the question that's sort of implicit when Jesus says to Mary, why are you weeping? Go and tell the disciples. And it's this, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Are you waiting on life and new life? And are you trying to create new life? Are you speaking life when you enter rooms? Are you speaking life when you interact with people? Even, you know, crazy liberal people that you you know in your life or crazy conservative people you know. Are you speaking life into those relationships? Are you waiting on death? Are you waiting to die? Are you waiting to see what happens when everything's done and it's over? What are you waiting on? Are you waiting to live? Are you waiting to go out into the world? Are you waiting to answer the call of God? Are you just waiting for everything to end? For the world to stop? To take a long, deep rest? What are you waiting on, people of God? Is it life or is it death? Let's pray.